this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. Hello, and welcome back to London is Blue. It is another year and another awful Women's Champions League draw for Chelsea. We have royally pissed off someone somewhere at UEFA and have ended up drawing Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid and Albania's finest, Vlatsnia, um, in the group stage of the Women's Champions League. But listen, look, to win tough competitions, you have to play tough games. And these are just the first three slash six on on our route to Eindhoven. So to talk about how hard these games might be i'm joined today by abdullah abdullah and carl carpenter abdullah i'm coming to you first what was your immediate reaction when you saw the group stage draw today fear because (laughs) (laughs) fear because psg just strengthened their forward line that wasn't already scary enough and Real madrid have shown over the last couple of years that they are no jokes they are hugely impressive um they you know in in parts they gave uh, you know they gave barcelona a good game last year and you know for a team like them on the counter attack i think is going to be seriously scary so um chelsea have to be on their toes for both games and yeah so fear is my word of the day Carl, your thoughts on uh, chelsea's group or the draw in general yeah i think um looking at it for from for your all's expect um perspective the Chelsea draw is obviously tough it's pretty much the the worst case scenario apart from uh Vilsania. um uh, I guess I that I guess that's how we're pronouncing it Vilsania. um uh that group um but I think overall the draw is 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 a tough one for Chelsea I mean you you don't obviously want to see those teams in the opener um whoever you face basically the top two teams like and as well looking at it Chelsea should have gotten a tough, a, an easy draw on paper. Your pot one, um, and it's normally set up for those teams to get favorably, basically to get kind of shoot into the next stage. Um, but yeah, it's a tough draw. And then, um, obviously, uh, speaking it, putting my Arsenal hat on, um, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit tough as well. Leon and Juventus are not not easy games. So yeah. Not a good draw, I think, for English teams in general. Although I guess an opportunity for Chelsea to avenge Manchester City's dumping out of the the qualifiers by Real Madrid. I'm just, um, I'm, just I'm just holding on to the coefficient now. I'm just going to pray to the altar of the UEFA coefficient for as long as we have it. So yeah, otherwise that would make uh, Champions League qualification for the WSL extra tasty if we ended up with less spots. But a couple of takes from, from Twitter, Harry Edwards at Harry Edwards 16. Why do UEFA hate us? Um, Joe McKeague, Angry Joe 78. At least it's not Wolfsburg. I think everyone was happy when we realized we were in the same pot as Wolfsburg. Uh, Hope, Hope underscore 789. There's always next season. Very optimistic. We love to see it. Need to get Todd bribing UEFA official, it seems. Thoughts and prayers from at Alexa QXT. And I like this kind of motivational one from at hoops or stripes. Take nothing for granted. Path out of group into knockouts and beyond is not going to let up. Need a settled 11 and lots of rotation for FA Cup and Conti. All winnable. Hashtag up the Chels. I feel like that. That could be the podcast, to be honest. Um, but let's start with, with PSG. Start in pot order here. And, and we're going to go through and we'll break down maybe two of these teams in more detail than the third team. I think you can probably predict which one we might not be quite as hot on. Um, Although, obviously, I do watch the Albanian League every week. Um, But yeah, Paris Saint-Germain, first out of the pot for us. And this is 
a fixture that's absolutely full of storylines. You've got, these are just the ones I came up with, but Chelsea's attempt to sign Grasgeoro this summer. Ramona Backman's slightly weird acrimonious departure from Chelsea, which we totally rehashed in the DAZN documentary. Maramielda knocking PSG out of the Champions League quarterfinals in 2018-19 with a last-minute goal. And when the PSG Ultras came to King's Meadow and weren't allowed in because the police found knives on the coach. Um, so, Abdullah, this fixture could be a lot. Um, you obviously follow Leon as well. So I feel like this is your your worst nightmare fixture. It's like every, you know, PSG or enemy in every competition. But you, you obviously know this team quite well as a result. You'll have watched them a lot over the years. What can we expect from this PSG team right now? Yeah, um, PSG. I mean, what do you say about PSG? They've just been this side over the years where you expect a lot from them. And then there's a lot of times where they'll deliver. and then, But then there's equally amount of times where they're going to, they, they promise so much, but then they just, they just don't for whatever reason. I mean... A couple of seasons ago, they they knocked Leon out of the I think it was the quarterfinals of the Champions League, but then you know they they don't go all the way and take their advantage over there, uh, albeit against uh, difficult opposition. But then you know the following season, last season they implode to some extent, and then there's the whole drama behind them. It's like there's always some storyline behind going on at PSG, so I think that doesn't help them. I think secondly of the team right now, I feel like they're going back on this upward trajectory. I think the summer was threatening to be very uh, a little bit of you know showing a little bit of upheaval katoto threatening to leave you know you had the hamrawi diallo saga going on in the background players a lot of players going out you know they they were bringing some unknown players in so to speak new coach so there's a lot of things happening but then i mean in the end they they actually did get like lika martins which was a huge signing katoto decided to stay as a result of, of of the big signing and then they got a couple of um, they got a couple of um, you know, players who've kind of surprised us from the Chinese league, especially. So I think, and they've started the season well, right? I mean, I think I think, you know, they they've obviously won their games and 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 they, I think their opening game was like a 4-0 victory, and, and the Diani Martins Katoto trio is showing signs of of doing well. And so I wouldn't, and then obviously Gracio is probably in the form of her life right now, considering A, she was was chased by Chelsea. You, you mentioned that, but had a really good Euros as well. So I feel like there's a lot of key players in good moments uh, of form right now. And going into that team, I think, well, you know, we talked about Chelsea wanting to dominate the ball. I think, I think, I think PSG are weirdly enough equally capable of sitting in a place to both counterattack and control the ball if they want to, because they've got the, the same players are able to do both. So I think they'd, they'd be a very scary proposition um, though they do have a big injury in Paulina Dudek, I think she did her ACL last week. So there is a huge ga- gap in defense, which could open up uh, something for Chelsea. Yeah, Carl, I've just kind of touched on it there. You know, there's been a lot of ins and outs within PSG, and there's a lot of long term absentees. Obviously, Katoto's out for forever, Dudek's now out for forever as well. De Brit's moved on to, to Leon, and then there's all the off-field drama that we're we're obviously aware of, but you know you've got things like like the the case around Hamraoui and all of this stuff. There's been stuff around Sandy Baltimore in the press as well. What do you make of what's kind of going on with this PSG squad, both 
on and off the pitch right now. Yeah, so they're kind of in a funny place because despite all the, um, I, mean, I think they brought in 12 players this summer um, and mo- eight moved on. Obviously, DeBritz is probably obviously the, the biggest kind of headline departure in that. Um, but in terms of like looking at it from like an analyst perspective, like tactically, if you're trying to kind of evolve your team and then you have all these absences and you have all the off-field stuff and you don't have a real number nine, um, I watched the game against uh, Flurry this weekend where they basically had the the 91st minute winner. Um, and there was just a lot, a lot like they have incredible like that's the front three basically with, with they played Baltimore and then Deani either side. Um, it was kind of stifled in terms of creating that kind of final third, final third threat that you normally um, kind of kind of see in a PSG team just because that number nine position is so up in the air. It's very tough for them to kind of have that kind of focal point and um, losing obviously the players that we've highlighted previously. It's tough when you have all that stuff and kind of like slightly shifting tactically in, in terms of that and, and slightly bringing new players into new roles and then new players just total into the squad. When you have all that off field, um, obviously just chaos going on with PSG, which kind of is part of the course with them. Um, so I, I obviously think it's it's from looking at it from a Champions League perspective, I think that'll be kind of a, a perspective of how quickly it takes for them to finally click. Because if they're if they start if they start off poorly and they're on, say, you know, three points after three match days, they're going to be in a much t- tougher position um, than if they start off with, um, you know, obviously they start off with a, a clean, clean start to the Champions League. Um, it's kind of like from a Chelsea perspective, you kind of hope that they're, <laughs> that they don't click. So you basically reach them at the perfect time. So by the time that they actually do start clicking, they're out of it in terms of uh, qualification. Yeah, I, I think it is interesting. Obviously, they've, they've got this new coach, because Didier Olivier and Nicole had to leave because he was being <laughs> dodgy. Um, they brought in Gerard Prechure, who, you know, he's won the Women's Champions League twice with Lyon. But obviously the injuries, you know, like Jordan Huitema moved on and then Katoji gets injured and I'm kind of surprised they didn't go find a nine, but they, they've kind of used Diani or, or Backman to, to fill that position. And Diani, obviously that's what Corinne Diacre tried to do in in the Euros as well, they've been, I think, kind of unconvincing. They drew with Le Havre at the weekend, who who like literally just got promoted. That Fleury game as well, they they struggled to create much. Um, I think at the start of the season, but at the same time, that being said, Martins is scoring pretty regularly. Diani's still scoring pretty regularly. Baltimore's not getting as much game time, but we know she's still a threat. Abdullah, how do you think Chelsea will, will try and deal with this slightly ramshackle, but still talented PSG attack? I think they'll be pretty happy with the fact that obviously Katoto's not playing because any side, any centre-backs going up against Katoto are just going to have um, uh, a nightmare. But I think for one player in particular... Kadisha Buchanan is going to have seen this team week in, week out, every week when she was playing for Leon for years. So if there's anybody with an insight on how this team is going to play out front, regardless of who's playing, it's, it's Buchanan and being the one who has to mark that central striker is is obviously a bonus. I think I think it'll be Bach. I think I think they'll want to get uh, experience in there. So I, I'm I'm assuming that Bachman will start because they've tried a couple of different players there. Couple that I can't even pronounce, and Sophia Nguilu, I, I believe is her name. 
I can't pronounce it, but I think Bachman will start. And because I think for me, Diani is is just much, much more effective and better out as a wide player coming inside, going inside. I th- I think Chelsea will you I think the, I think they'll have to start. I think they'll have to play with probably two more. I don't want to say defensive-minded uh, double pivot, but I want to say they'll play Cuthbert and somebody else who is be, going to be willing to track back and and be as tenacious enough to kind of stop the movement in between in between the lines. So, and and I, and I think with with Bachman playing there, Chelsea know how she plays. I mean, if I'm, if there's anybody that knows how she plays as well as as Emma Hayes, so kind of maybe dealing with her will be uh, will be a little bit easier. And I think stopping it and going into the central areas will, will be key. But then we've got to watch the. I think. The key battle is going to come up in the wide areas. Diani versus uh, Magda or Wrighton, who is playing a left wing back and left centre back, um, and then on the on the left side with Baltimore versus whoever is going to be playing on Chelsea's right hand side. And you know, I, I don't want to see uh, Lauren James versus Baltimore because that's not a defensive battle that I don't think anybody wants to see because that, that's probably one outcome there. But I, I think Chelsea might have to adjust their tactics and maybe stick with natural wingbacks or natural fullbacks in this game. So while there is ways for them to stop them centrally, I think the big battle is going to come out wide and how they control PSG's wide players. And not to forget, I mean, they've added Jackie Cronin to the side and kind of her late runs and her pressing is going to be really key alongside Gastioro and whoever plays uh, in the middle as the number six. So it's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be out wide where where Chelsea really have to pay attention and, and stop them from going forward. I had literally totally forgotten about Jackie Gronham. That's what happens when France gets this extra secret transfer window Joker. after our transfer window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um and another Chelsea Chelsea narrative, obviously, another former Chelsea player. Um, but I think what Abdullah's just said, Carl, about, about the wide areas is really key because I think the other positions that PSG have pretty world-class in is is fullback with Sakina Karchawi, obviously a former another former Chelsea transfer target, um, and Ashley Lawrence on, on either side. Do you think tactically here the key for these two fixtures is is being able to stop those players getting up to support whoever's playing on the wings for PSG? Yeah, I think that's definitely the kind of the key areas because with within the 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 Chelsea system, obviously, um, I think um Abdullah kind of highlighted there is is making sure that um you kind of protect those wingback areas because they're not obviously within the system, they're not natural defenders. So if you're able to get um Karchawi and um I'm actually blanking. Uh, Ashley Lawrence um, up front to support them. You can create a lot of those kind of two one two v one scenarios, which draws out the wingbacks um, to kind of into those areas. Um, and as well within basically the back three of Chelsea or just any back three in general, the one area w- which you can be deficient is in between those kind of wing back and center back, wide center back areas and stretching those plays. Um, so if you're able to kind of isolate those and then the center backs forced to cover out, there's a lot of space in the seams for, for teams like PSG, which um, are obviously exceptional in those areas to kind of exploit. Um, and I think the way that probably Chelsea and um, Emma Hayes, um, if you're listening, um, would probably look to kind of prevent this is basically, and that's one thing that that Chelsea have always done is has has been able to kind of throw various kind of, you know, various pressing schemes within a match. Um, but I think that it's not going to be a game like um, just looking at a, a recent example of, of a team that played a, a 4-3-3. Like it's not going to be a game where um, Chelsea are going to sit off like they did against City. 
They're not going to want to sit, sit off and allow the center backs and to kind of progress the ball themselves. They're going to want to press a lot higher from the start and basically deny and pin those, those fullbacks deeper. So the, basically the only opportunities that PSG are able to kind of create are um, deeper areas where that's obviously less of a threat to the center backs to get pulled wide. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, especially as we've seen Chelsea kind of seem to be experimenting with this back four, whether the there will be a decision kind of made that the, the gaps between the wing backs and the center backs, for example, aren't quite worth it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think for me, I definitely feel like PSG are a team who are a lot more in flux than they were a season or two ago. And actually, to be honest, for me, they're, they're probably... I would suggest the the weaker team than Real Madrid, who, who are a team I'm I'm more concerned about. But we're going to take a quick ad break. When we come back, we'll we'll get into Real Madrid in more detail because I think this is a really interesting matchup in this group. Thanks everyone for listening to the show. Um, please rate and subscribe if you're enjoying us. Give us a shout out if you're enjoying the women's episodes particularly, and and we've got some exciting news coming soon too. So so keep paying attention because I think you might be hearing a bit more of us uh, in the coming months. Um, we're in a ridiculous October for both the men's and women's team. Obviously, we're on an international break for the women at the moment, but when when it comes back, it really gets going. Um, there's going to be two Champions League group stage fixtures in October as well as WSL games. So there'll be plenty of content um, from the boys talking about the men's team, and then we'll be here talking about the women's as well. But Real Madrid, let's, let's have a look at them. They were probably the worst team we could have got out of pot three, I think, given Juventus' start to the season. Um, so, of course, we got them. We've never actually played them before because they didn't really exist. Well, they did exist, but in a different format. They weren't Real Madrid until quite recently. But to get us in the mood, I asked friend of the pod and host of Las Blancas podcast, Om Arvind, to give us the Real Madrid perspective on this matchup. My first reaction to drawing Chelsea was one of fear. Immediately what comes into my mind is Sam Kerr scoring a header or Lauren James cutting up our defense or Pernilla Harder just storming through on a counterattack. But the more I think about it, I wouldn't say the fear completely dissipates, but I feel some level of confidence. Not overconfidence. I think it's pretty clear that we come into this game as the underdogs, but I think Chelsea also shouldn't be too happy that they drew Real Madrid. And and that's why I think, you know, there's there's no reason to kind of lose my mind over this, right? Because Real Madrid are stronger than they've ever been. And when we got rid of Osnar and got things going, we were a pretty solid team last year. I mean, everyone knows we signed Caroline Weir. I don't think Chelsea fans need an introduction to her. But we also signed Sandy Toledi, who I think is a world-class midfielder and who Chelsea could could have used as well. That's how good I think she is. So our midfield is is genuinely up there with the top, top midfields in the world. And in terms of our attack, it it's just it's it's young and exciting. And it was considered a weakness going to this season. But if Athenea del Castillo continues on her tra- trajectory along with the likes of Olga Carmona, we could take a big leap in that department. So yeah, I mean, look, it's not ideal, but this is the Champions League. If you want to be considered one of the elite teams in Europe, you need to play the elite. So, yeah, ultimately, I come out of this kind of excited. We may not win, but I, I do think we have a pretty good chance. And, and I want to see what we look like against a, 
uh, a side with the caliber of Chelsea. So, Abdullah, you've heard yep. the Real Madrid point of view. Oms sounding, I mean, he's sounding more confident than when I initially messaged him about doing the voice note <laughs> for us. So I'm glad the couple of hours in between <laughs> settle his nerves a bit. But what do you what do you make of his take? It, it sounded fairly reasonable to me. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm, I largely agree with with kind of his reaction and everything that he said. I, I don't think. Um, I think even the most optimistic of Chelsea fan won't take Real Madrid lightly. I think they've, they've, like he said, they've. I think they've grown and and, and become so much better in the last couple of years, and their growth has been exponential to an extent. Um, I mean, the fact that they were able to lure someone like Caroline Weir and then Sandy Taletti, um, you know, in about. You know, two years on from probably when they weren't as good, I think is a testament to to their team. And you know, they're they're growing teams. They're they're building a, a really good core of of Spanish players, and and they're able to do a lot of stuff. And they're you know they're a very they, again they're another side that I think has the capability of being able to control the ball and control possession when required in you know through their midfield. But then they've got players like Olga Carmona and and uh, Nahikari Garcia and um, Athenea who can really kill you on the counter attack. I mean, they will thrive on space. I mean, if 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 Chelsea play, I don't think they will. But if Chelsea play someone like Marin Mielda, right wing back, right centre back, and she has to go up against Athenea, then I'm, that's 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 a bloodbath right there. It's in terms of the pace and and the, and 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 the way Athenea is so unpredictable on the wing. I think again, I think this game comes down to uh it really does come down to you know again i think controlling the wide areas again and 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 like carl said for the you know the psg section the the half spaces become very very key but yeah no i agree i think i think i agree with your assessment earlier jesse i think real madrid probably the scariest team of the group to play both home and away just because i i feel like their pace on the counter-attack is is scary and they can they can punish teams yeah i think Clearly, Real Madrid did strengthen considerably over the summer. They've looked pretty good in almost everything I've watched them do, if not always. I think sometimes the the really dazzling moments may be flattered to deceive. If you watch a Real Madrid highlight game, they look maybe slightly different from how if you watch the full 90. But this was still, Carl, even a team that, that challenged Barcelona last year, right? You know, they, they drew that first leg in the quarterfinals, okay, and then kind of got pummeled at the Camp Nou. But we thought it might be a competition for maybe half an hour of the second leg. How, how much stronger do you think Madrid are now compared to last season? And, and what do you think has changed about them as a team? Yeah, I think they're kind of on that, they're kind of on that precipice of like any kind of young team, which is kind of trying to reach to the next level where um obviously the 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 two the the two players they lost were Marta Cardona to Atletico and then Aslani to to Milan. But obviously Omen is in his uh his voice note basically kind of highlighted all the key players they brought in. Um, and they've kind of reached that stage where they, they were a team in recent years, which is why they were able to kind of um, hold Barcelona to in the first leg to and make it competitive relatively in most of all the league matches. Um, they were a team of moments, basically, which they were not able to complete that over a course of a season or, or over a course of, course of a tournament. But they were kind of they had the individual quality to kind of make it difficult for a team in moments. But I think now of what they've kind of added. Um, it's there's obviously obviously been some growing pains in the early league matches, but 
adding in the likes of Caroline Weir and Teleti, they kind of they have that more of that kind of that control in midfield um, to let the, the exciting attacking players kind of have a, a strong core and a strong base to kind of build off of, um, which they didn't have in recent years. Um, and I think that um, what like Abdullah said with uh, Athena and those those really fun attacking players. They'll they'll have more of a strong basis to kind of give to get freedom to kind of do that in the attacking sense, which is why I think they're such a such a dangerous outfit now in the Champions League. Um, so I, I you know obviously I, I I do think Chelsea will be favored in those matches just because of the history and you know they're obviously I still think they're stronger overall, um, but they're not a team now where basically you can kind of over the two match days home and away you can kind of say like oh well we're gonna have. 180% of the time, we're just going to have that ball the entire time. We're able to kind of make the game how we want. I think it'll be more of a, a bit of a give and take now. Yeah, and I definitely think, you know, the key areas where Real Madrid can maybe hurt Chelsea kind of stem around Athena, just because she's quite ridiculous and she's clearly on the, on the up this season. Um, but then there are other players who, who maybe I worry about about a bit less. Like, I can't say Esther Gonzalez like, fills me with horror uh, as a striker to, to play up against. But, Abdullah, let's flip this round a bit. Where do you think Chelsea can hurt Real Madrid? I think it goes back to the fullbacks. I think, I think Real Madrid's fullbacks are good, but I think that Chelsea's wingers are better, right? I, you know, we've seen the way Lauren James has played and... Um, I know that it's it's kind of been a bit hot and cold on 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 social media about Lauren James's performance, but I think you know from what we've seen so far, Lauren James has been excellent at that right hand side and has really taken on um, fullbacks and really attacked them. So I think someone like Sofia Svava is going to have a, a tough time, and I think keeping her in her own defensive half is is going to be a better thing than than to let her push forward. And I think Lauren James will make that happen. I think on the opposite side, depending on depending on who plays, it could be Kenti Robles, um, it could be uh, it could be Lucia Rodriguez, it, it could be any one of them. But regardless of who's playing, that I think if you've got Gura Wrighton, I think she's probably top three, top third, three winger, top four winger in the world right now. I mean, I think she's just the last eighteen months she's been spectacular, regardless of where she plays. So I think two of Chelsea's and then obviously if, if Penela Hart is fit for for the game. You throw her in in this free number ten role that you give her, and then she's just roaming the spaces. So, I think getting at Real Madrid's fullbacks and kind of using the spaces in between them is going to be absolutely key. Because while I think Real Madrid's midfield is excellent at going forward and excellent at controlling games, they're not the best defensively. And while they may have really good positioning and they'll they'll add support in terms of numbers and, and trying to blocking off passing lanes. I think if you've got a Penila Hada on the ball and you're going up against a Taletti and you're going to drive past her or a Caroline Weir or a Teresa, I nine and a half times out of ten, you know, Penila Hada is <clears throat> winning that battle as is James and as is as is Gerard Wright. And so, I think again the wide areas are going to be key, and it's going to, and I think it's going to come down to the movements of the number of Chelsea's number ten, regardless of who's playing, whether it's Frank Kirby or Penila Hada in combination with the wide players' movements to be able to to go past and exploit the spaces in and around the, the fullbacks and, and the centre-backs. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting as well. So I watched Real Madrid's game against um, Athletic Bilbao at the weekend, and one thing that kind of stood out to me was how gung-ho Misa Rodriguez is. And, and I think Misa Rodriguez is a good goalkeeper, and, I mean, she's literally overtaken Sandra Panos right now for Spain because Spain are a basket case and haven't called up Sandra Panos, but... Um, 
I don't think it'd be long quality wise until she overtook Sandra Panos as, as Spain's number one anyway. But she's definitely when you see how high Real Madrid are willing to push up, and maybe they wouldn't do this against Chelsea. Maybe maybe it was just because they're against Athletic Club. But that for me was like felt like oof, that's the kind of spaces where Chelsea could really exploit with the kind of quality they have going forward. But Carl, something that really hurt us last year was the fact that Juve and Wolfsburg took points off each other too. And that's how we ended up in the scenario where we only lost one game, and but we went out because we dropped points against Juve and Wolfsburg and everyone ended up on the same number of points. And I think part of my worry with this group is that a similar thing could, could happen again. But funnily enough, PSG and Real Madrid were in the same group last year. PSG won both games then, 4-0 at home, 2-0 away. What do you think that matchup is going to look like this season? Yeah, that's that's sort of a, a like you highlighted there about teams taking other because usually in those groups where there's like a pot one team that basically that they run away with the group and it's basically if you're only competing with with one other side to kind of be the second place time. Um, I don't think that'll be the case here because I think like like you said, PSG kind of ran away with the matchups in the group stages in their group last year. I do think it'll be a lot lot tighter between those sides if. And I kind of say if, because I highlighted it when I was talking about PSG is if PSG get their stuff together and they actually kind of click. Um, I do think it'll be, um, if I remember correctly from actually watching those games, it was basically Real Madrid basically going gung-ho and then just getting caught out all the time by PSG's quality. Um, and I do think that, like I said, with the with the Real Madrid having that steal, they'll still have those threats in the attacking third, but I think they'll be a little bit more measured in terms of how they do it. They'll allow the likes of this uh, of Weir to kind of control things. Teleti will obviously be able to stop transitions. Um, so I do think that it'll be it'll be nicely dovetail, and I, it'll be, you know, just from a, from a stylistic standpoint, I think it'll be outside of obviously if you're a Chelsea fan, which hey, you probably are listening to this. It'll probably <laughs> be one of the more exciting games to to see um, in the group stages. Yeah, I I'm definitely hoping for. I don't really care which one it is, but I think you know for one yeah. team. If, if, if one you're a Chelsea, team, if you're a Chelsea fan, you want you want Real Madrid to win all of them, or you want PSG to win all of them. You don't want them to split points, basically, because that just makes it a lot tougher for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but moving on to <laughs> the most exciting team in this group, the most unknown team in this group, Vlatsnia. Uh, I'm just going to read a bit about Vlatsnia for anyone who doesn't know, just purely off their Wikipedia page. I didn't know anything about them. I had to, before the group stage draw, Google which country they came from. But KFF Vlatsnia Skurda is an Albanian women's football club based in the city of Skurda. The club is considered by UEFA to be the successor club to ADA. No, they don't have a Wikipedia page, so I couldn't find out more about them, who disbanded in 2013. They play their home games at the Reshit Rusi Stadium and they compete in the Women's National Championship, which they've won the last nine consecutive times. And I can confirm they have won every Albanian National Championship and every Albanian Women's Cup since 2013-14. And Carl, you've been doing some research this afternoon about Blatsnia for us. You've discovered they've got a bit of a unique recruitment strategy, don't they? Yeah, it seems based off... uh 
watching some of their games on Instat and then looking at their Wikipedia page, like you, you read so eloquently there, is that they basically have rated the U.S. college system, um, not the top top teams in the in the U.S. college system, but the kind of the the middle of the pack, um, mid major schools like Palm Beach State um, in beautiful Florida, um, to basically look for American players there who are willing to kind of start their careers abroad. It's actually a, from, from teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of recruitment in Europe, it's actually a pretty common strategy is to go to the American system and take players who were not necessarily draft eligible or uh, good enough for the NWSL draft to kind of take them and bring them to Europe. Um, Cause there's a lot of kind of, you can put it in, in inverted commas kind of gems there to be found. Um, I, I did actually watch their their games, uh, their last two games. Um, not uh, not uh, not dedicatedly, just kind of as a as a breezing exercise. Um, <laughs> but kind of kind of kind of any analysis in terms of tactical breakdown is kind of a moot point because any of those teams in in the pot four when you're placing a pot one team, you're more likely just going to sit deep and kind of hope. Um, so anything I kind of say will be kind of probably null and void just because they'll probably put 11 players behind the box at, at King's Meadow and, and pray. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do in their, um, I, I, I believe they're debutants. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the put 10 players behind the ball and pray work for Sabet at King's Meadow almost. So I think Chelsea definitely know not to take the, this team lightly, but um, Blatznia didn't exactly smash everyone out the way to, to get to the Champions League group stages. They, Squeeze past Bresnica, don't know where they're from, I'm afraid, 3-2, to play Spartak Majavva, who they beat 1-0, before they played in the next round, Vorskla Poltava, who some of you might recognise as formerly being Zitlo Blood 2, who appeared in last season's Champions League group stages. They won there 3-2. So basically they really, like, squeeze their way through uh, to, to get to this point. Uh, Abdullah, these these guys are just going to be the team everyone else takes out their frustrations on, right? Yeah, you know, you, you, you'd think so. You know, I, I think I think any... I mean, if they get a point from this group, I think I'll be very, very surprised. And I think they'll be like, right, that's... that's I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they look at this group and go, if we can get a point, that is our Champions League goals you know, reached for, for the season because they're going up against PSG, Real Madrid and Chelsea and, and, and they must be thinking, well, we're just going to enjoy the scenes and the views of all these lovely cities in London, in Paris, in Madrid. It's going to be a great holiday, but game has to be played. And I think I think for, for them, the experience of playing these top European sides, I think it's just going to put them in good stead. And and give give them a whole lot of excitement to come up against you know top quality players and kind of know what it feels like to 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 reach that level and go up against them. So yeah, I think um, get behind the ball, ten men, counter attack will probably be the name of the game. But then you know you would you would like to think that you know each team is probably going to put put past two three goals uh, each without conceding too much. And I think we're probably going to see this as a chance if teams have enough points and depending on when these teams are played, heavy rotation, because I don't think you're going to need your strongest players for this game with all due respect. And for any Chelsea fans looking to go and watch our away game against Vlasnia, I've been on Rome to Rio for you. It seems you have to either fly to Dubrovnik or Tirana 
and then hire a car or pay someone to drive you from 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 one of those countries. So it will certainly be adventure if anyone else, if anyone's going to go for it. I personally think I might stick just with Paris and Madrid for this autumn. I did actually watch the, their home stadium and it's not a looker. So it's not necessarily like a venue you'd, you'd want to stay around in. So I will say for anyone who didn't know where Albania was in Europe, though, which I must say I didn't, is it's a lot further south than I thought it would be. So it might be quite nice weather. Um, it kind of sits just above Greece. So there we go. Um, we've got some questions. Uh, I'm going to throw these out to, to you guys and then we'll get on to some predictions before we wrap up today's episode. But Abdullah, I'm going to start with you on, on this first one. It's it's quite blunt. Um, from Too Good Alex at LPM underscore Waylander. How much are we going to fuck up this one? <laughs> um... Excellent question. Um, <laughs> it's a good thought. How are we going to... I can't think of a way. I mean, unless Chelsea go and decide to lose two of the games against Real Madrid and PSG and and, and the goal difference is, is pretty bad. It's the only way I can see this being worse than losing all four games. But I highly doubt that I think... You know, but in all seriousness, I think I think Emma Hayes will be wary of what happened last year coming up against two top sides and, and coming up again against two top sides. Like I think she will use last season's group stage as a stark reminder and motivation to the squad, whether it's trailing at halftime or whatever, saying, remember what happened last year. We cannot let this happen again. We've got to find a way through. Arguably, Chelsea are a little bit stronger in terms of the numbers. Um, and I think playing European football with some of the new players might suit them a little bit more because they're more used to playing European football. So maybe someone like a Kanarid or a Kankovic can come into their own in these games and really start, you know, stamping their mark in the team and, and, and you know, we'll start getting a good run in it. So I'd like to think that they won't fuck this up. Um, but, you know, uh, it is <laughs> it is it is the Champions League after all. Yeah, I totally agree with with what Abdul has just said. I think last year was just a massive learning curve for a lot of teams about what the Champions League group stage entailed. And I think, you know, Chelsea were unfortunate to end up in the group they did. But also, that being said, they they did fuck it up. It was kind of in their hands and they, all they had to do was not lose 4-0. But I think there will still have been a lot of learnings taken forward. And in some ways, getting a group like this will, I think, even focus the minds more of, of how important it will be to, to get points of the mark from the get-go. Because, you know, the, the first game we played last season in the group stage was the 3-3 against Wolfsburg at, at King's Meadow. And honestly, I've never seen a game where we dominated so much and then just gave up such idiotic goals. So... I feel like all of those experiences will have been very important. We've added a Champions League winner to our squad. I think moving forward, I would hope we're more prepared for this year's group stage. But as Carl, as Abdullah kind of touched on, and this next question is, is along these lines too, this is from Julian G at Julog90. Do you feel Chelsea's squad depth is, is, can cope? So do you feel like we've got the kind of players necessary to balance, I guess, not only the Champions League, although I suspect maybe that will be our focus, but but the WSL fixtures that we'll have over the next couple of months? 
Yeah, I think Chelsea's squad depth is is deep enough. It's just kind of like the the balance point of like kind of like where the matches fall in terms of comparison to WSL fixtures because you can you can get a little bit creative in terms of like where you you put players to kind of like you know necessarily if you want to play a a player who might not necessarily necessarily be an eight but they're going to have to play an eight in, in like a Champions League fixture against uh, our our friends from Albania. It's just kind of like how you how you put that squad together. So you're basically not taking any way, um, anything from, you know, the Saturday fixture when you play on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Um, so I do think that Chelsea squad is, is deep enough. It's just sort of like how they play it. And if they kind of like play that sort of rotational game correctly, if they don't over rotate or they don't under rotate um, and they're not putting out some weird lineups, you know, just, just for that, just for the sake of saving legs. Um so it's just, it's all on Emma Hayes' shoulders, I guess, as it as it tends to be. So Yes, Emma Hayes, we pray for no weird lineups. No, don't go full pep. Don't go, don't play, <laughs> don't play a number, a number six up front. Don't do it. We know you admire him, Emma, but you just do not need to do it. Uh, Abdullah, we're going back to you on this one. Who do you think will be tougher? This is from Claudia Bocci, at Claudia Bocci. Who do you think will be tougher to beat? Real Madrid or PSG? I, th- I think, I feel like we sort of answered this earlier in, in the episode, but... I think for me, Real Madrid. I just, I just think that playing well home or away will be tough, just because of the the quality they have in midfield, which we talked about, and but especially the the pace they have on the counter attack. I think arguably more than PSG right now, with obviously no Katoto available, um, they are you know a force to be reckoned with on the counter attack, and and I would be very very worried if I am Chelsea's insert fullback name here for the day. Uh, at the time so yeah for me it's for me it's Real Madrid yeah I think we're pretty much much all agreed on that but I think it's quite even I think both have their their strong points and their weak points and can perform quite differently on their day but Carl this one's for you this this last one before we go into into some predictions this is from Rob at RJP Journalism do you think UEFA need to start looking at expanding the competition again as at least two from the domestic champions slash runners up of either France Italy Spain and England won't make it out the groups. And there was kind of a follow-up question. I'm sorry, I didn't write down your app, but was asking kind of about the, whether there should be some kind of second-tier Europa League type thing for, for a similar reason. Yeah, I think starting off with Rob's idea of basically kind of adding a couple more groups to it would be, would be from my kind of obviously a starting point, would be an improvement on what the current iteration is. Um, because you look at it and there's really... For, like 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 for Chelsea, there's there's no real advantage to winning your league and basically finishing a pot one because you're still in a in a really really tough group. Um, so not not that you know winning a league is is not incentive enough to get into the Champions League, but um, expanding it so once you do, the teams that are rewarded for being better are obviously going to be obviously rewarded rather than basically turning it into like a. Um, I know it's called the Champions League, so it's not necessarily going to be easy regardless, but basically making it so it's not nec- so much of a crapshoot for those top teams. Um, and then I, I, it's just in terms of like a, a, a Europa League equivalent, I'm not sure that it would be ready now, but I think that obviously um, as we kind of see the, the the growth of the competition, it's it's still very much in the in the nascent stages of the Champions League for, for the women's side. Um, you know, I think it was only in, 2009 that they actually renamed it the champions league um so we'll see but i I do think that adding a couple more groups will be would just be better for the competition on a whole and you know it might make the group stages 
a little bit less, you know, less fun. You're, you're not going to see, a, um, you're not, you're not going to see PSG, Real Madrid, uh, Chelsea games and the group stages as much, but you'll be rewarded with that in the group stages if they add, a, say, a, a round of 16 going on. Yeah, I definitely think it's quite clear that there is a balance that needs to be found with the more advanced leagues, your Spains, your Englands, your Frances, etc. And, you know, giving teams like Vlatsnia the opportunity to participate, because I think that is really important. And if you are champion of Albania, you should be able to go through, you know, the qualifying process and, and get in. So I don't think it's as simple as simply saying, yeah, we need, say, more entrance from England or whatever. But it is, you know, it'd be ridiculous to suggest that there's probably about half the teams in the WSL, for example, who who are as good as some of the poorer teams in the Champions League group stage. And I do think expanding the number of groups would be a good way of balancing both those priorities and allowing potentially the smaller teams to get the opportunity to play against teams which are their level. Because if you look at a, a side like Vlatsnia, they're clearly walking the Albanian league every single year. So to that extent, you're like, well, it makes sense for them to want a challenge and to deserve a challenge against teams that who are at a high level. That will improve them. That will improve Albanian women's football, etc. Um, it's obviously something that, you know, men's football struggles with as well. And it's just a hard balance to find when money gets so concentrated in certain European countries. But hopefully in the future, we might see more groups and a kind of reasonable expansion. But I do also think that this group stage draw is a lot more exciting than last season's was, Um, which I think is just a bit of a coincidence of seeding and then the draw, but it still maybe suggests that we're moving in in the right direction. But to finish off, I want to get these guys, and I will do as well, uh, but then to put their cards on the table. So... Carl, as you're the guest, I'll, I'll come to you first and, and we'll come to Abdullah after you. But who do you think is going going through from this, this group? Your first, second, third, fourth, please. Chelsea to win the group. Real Madrid to finish second. PSG third, closely behind Real Madrid. And then um, our friends from Albania uh, getting maybe a point. Oh, who do you think they'll get a point of? Real Madrid at home. Okay. Can I just say I would find it deeply funny if, for example, we did beat PSG and Real Madrid home and away, but then like just drew with Vlatsnir for the hell of it. Like, I'm not saying they're going to get a point out of any expectations. It's just I want it for the chaos factor. Absolutely. We back that at London is blue. Abdullah, what are you saying? Yeah, I think Chelsea to win the group. I think they'll uh, they'll learn from last year and they'll they'll take it forward. I actually also think Real Madrid will come second. I think Paris will come third uh, and I think Vlatsnia will take a point off Paris just because the the chaos that is this Parisian team I'm just going to continue on with that and maybe be a little bit biased and go right that's that's how we're going to go with it well now I'm going to sound like a dick because I don't think Vlatsnia are taking a single point of anyone <laughs> sorry guys um, I really don't know and I think what I would say which isn't me trying to chicken out particularly but is i honestly after last year do not give a shit if we come first or second i just want to get out of this fucking group i think it could be tight i think it could be very similar to last year where three teams end up on similar points 
but I will back us to go through because I don't think we will fuck up our head-to-head last fixture if we had it in the same way that we did last year. So I think it will be Real Madrid as well. Do I? Oh my God, I really don't know. I'll say to be different. I think PSG will go through. I think Real Madrid will go out. I think they flatter to deceive a little bit. I do think they're a good team, but I just wonder if PSG's greater star factor might see them through. So I'll go with Chelsea and PSG. Um, So there we have it. We'll come back and laugh, or we probably won't actually, when Chelsea go out and flatly go oh, through. Or I will laugh. I will laugh. <laughs> Carl Carpenter will <laughs> laugh. Um, Let's just, I'll just run everyone else through groups, other groups quickly. So, Group B, our friends Wolfsburg, they're bribing someone at UEFA because they've got Slavia Prague, St. Pulton, and Roma. Don't know how that worked out for them. Uh, Carl's friends at Arsenal, Group C, they've got an interesting group Leon, Juve, and Zurich. I genuinely don't know how that one will go, but I suspect Leon and Arsenal will go through. And Group D, probably the most boring one, to be honest Barcelona, Bayern who I assume will both go through, and Rosengard, Benfica. But that is our Champions League group stage draw. As I say, I think it is a more exciting draw than than last year at the very least, even if Chelsea's was still shit. But we are on an international break right now, so there's no there's no Chelsea women's games, but um, Abdullah and I, well, potentially Abdullah and I, Nick and I definitely, maybe Abdullah, depending on his birthday plans, because, guys, if you wanted to order Abdullah a birthday present, you got to get it done because there's a week to go. Um, but we're going to be back doing a, a bit of a mailbag. So we'll put keep an eye out because we'll put a call out to questions um, and anything you want to ask us, we will be discussing away because that is what international breaks are for, to ponder everything that's going on in football. But for now, uh, Carl, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, Abdullah, happy birthday at the end of the week. I don't speak to you again. Thank you very much. And until we are back, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.